This episode of the Edify Studios podcast is brought to you by Americlad Quality Metal Crafts. Quality Metal Crafts has distinguished themselves as a premier metal fabricator for the architectural construction and industrial markets. From day one, their commitment has been simple. Produce the highest quality products at the best possible value with exceptional client service. Attention to detail, superior quality, innovation. That's what makes the Americlad product line the first choice for your construction requirements. To learn more, visit americlad.com. Welcome to the Edify Studios podcast, discussing the shift of architectural concepts into actual solutions, disrupting the current status quo, and having a blast the whole time. Here are your hosts, Brad Glauser and Brad Walker. Hey guys, welcome back to the Edify Studios podcast. Welcome, we, welcome, we, welcome, welcome. We are here at uh, AIA 2019, Vegas, Vegas Las baby. Vegas. So we are having a little bit of a special episode today. Um, yeah. We are uh, recording live from uh, the ex- exhibition floor. We're in the belly of the friggin' beast. I know, this is wonderful. It's and we're, awesome. we're bringing along Michael Rasika with Young Architect. How are you today, man? I'm really good. I'm super excited to chat with you guys. Yeah, we are too, man. Sincerely we- welcome. Yeah. This is a huge deal for us. This is a big deal. Uh, you were technically our first guest. You are. I did. You are. So it. we started at the top, <laughs> and we're here. We are here. Yeah, that's <laughs> Doesn't right. get any better than this. <laughs> Doesn't get any better than this. Go ahead. So, no, we wanted to just uh, take a little time. What we typically do is just do check-ins, and we want to make sure everybody is how they're doing, how are things going. Yeah. I'll ask you, Walker. How you been, man? Check-in. Uh, the kids just finished up uh, flag football. So that just ended up, uh, they both went to finals, and then they got just destroyed. (laughs) I mean, just, (laughs) they showed up with just, like, feeling all good, and they just (laughs) literally got wiped up. But they had a blast. Uh, It was a good season. They had an an incredible amount of time. Great parents, uh, which always make it very enjoyable. Um, And just the the weather's been nice. I've been uh, putting a new deck on the... On the house, which I needed for like since I moved in, yeah, right, you twelve years ago, 12 years ago. <laughs> uh, dilapidated garbage time. But uh, that's been pretty much me. What about, what about you? You know, um, we just finished, so spring baseball just got done. Oh we, yeah, yeah. So, so I, Mike, I've got a couple of kids, um, and uh, both in baseball and softball. My and my girl is eleven. So she's in uh, she's in softball. Just barely got done with that, and then uh, spring baseball finished up about a week after that for my oldest son. Um, and we were thinking about diving into like that extended all-star break or all-star mm-hmm. season, but you know how it is like in the month of June in the Northwest where you kind of want to just like start being outside more with the family, not necessarily have like a huge obligations. Yeah. And a lot of this stuff that we do in the architectural and construction world starts to happen. Right. So you don't obvi- want to be mandated to be at this one park <laughs> yeah. for this seven-hour yeah. part of I mean, the most beautiful part. It literally of has the summer. I mean, baseball and softball is for me and for our family has been kind of like our second job. We've probably been spending about four to six hours a day every single week just doing it with the kids. Yeah. So great. it's been go- it's been fun to keep them active and keep them going. They start in February and it kind of just runs um, through June and man, just a good time. So other than that, man, everything's been going great. Um, uh, and uh, just getting back into the summer. I can't wait to just spend some good time in the Northwest. Yes. So yes. it's going to be a good one. Speaking of the Northwest, you've been there. Oh, yeah. I love <laughs> the Northwest. A, for a bit. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. yeah. Why, why don't you jump into what's uh, what's been cool lately, and then we'll go even further back. Okay, so I've been traveling a lot, nonstop this year. I've been on the road constantly. Yes, you have. 
and I've just been going all over America. And I'm just getting ready to. I'm just got. I'm still kind of in the middle of all my tours. I'm pretty much okay. going to be nonstop traveling till the end of the year. Favorite favorite place to date? Date. Where's the Where's your favorite place you've been on oh, so you're like far? Going, going on a date with yeah, a girl. Wanna, would you, <laughs> yeah. Will you Will you go out with <laughs> your favorite date? <laughs> it's so like, far. like I'm your dating girls date. in all these cities. Exactly. That'd be cool. Um, in different area codes. <laughs> yeah. Nowhere. Okay. So this is how a lot of people ask me this question. They say, "Where's the most exciting place?" And sure. I do a lot of presentations. I think it's the places that I am most well received and where's the yeah. largest community. And it's, to be honest with you, it's, uh, it's been El Paso, Texas. Ooh, that's awesome. Dallas, Texas was really okay. great. Birmingham, Alabama. Memphis has always been really nice to me. That's, that's a place I got on the list. I've never I, been to Memphis. I man. spoke in Baltimore a couple, couple like last week. And Baltimore's, yeah, love Baltimore's pretty city. great. Yeah. They've been, Baltimore's pretty great. It's been fun. So it's, there's, there's a lot of others that I can't think off the top of my head, but it's been, um, generally speaking, it's been that's, a lot of fun. I love, are, I love America. I'm addicted to it's great. seeing what's going on all over the country. So you do a lot on Instagram, my man. And I, why don't you actually just give everybody kind of your Instagram handle and tell a little bit where, how to follow you, yeah. where to get a hold of you and stuff like so that. So Instagram, it's my, my handle's young architects, PDX. Okay. And I got to spell it because it's not straightforward. It's young, Y-O-U-G-N, uh, architects, A-R-C-H-I-T-X, PDX. Ooh. Got it. Yeah. That's a little bit racy. I like it that's, actually. Yeah. It's <laughs> very youthful. No, it's very good. young. It's good. <laughs> it's very good. Let's jump let's jump way back in the way back machine. Why don't you take us back to New York? Where it all started. Yeah. So I grew up in New York uh, suburbs. Uh, that means Connecticut, Long Island, New Jersey. I went to high school in New Jersey. Okay. Uh, always I was born in New York City, Queens. And I uh, I was a terrible student in school. I Beautiful. I was, Awful Same here. Academics. You got I three horrible ones. <laughs> this this is not going to be a great interview. Yeah, all three of us are in the same boat. Yeah, I, I hated school as a yeah. kid. I was miserable. Yeah. I could. I was a special ed student. I couldn't pass a, a standardized too. test in reading and writing, which mm-hmm. is ironic because now I write about a standardized test for architects. Well, but 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 not to not to go on a different road for thirty seconds. But I think and I believe that there is a strong difference between school and education, and there's a big difference between school and somebody's ability to learn. Yeah, I agree. Because yeah. School did not treat me very well because yeah. I did not treat it very well. But at the same time, I am hungry to learn so much. Yeah. It just that was not an application. That was not an environment I was going to be rich yeah. inside of. I agree. So it sounds like you were kind of in the same. Same boat. thing. I graduated high school and had no plans ever going to college. I landed it. I was working in restaurants, making decent money or sure. 100 bucks a night, whatever. Sure. And um, when I was 20, 21 years old, I landed a job with an interior design company doing kitchen cabinets uh, that did they did kitchen remodels. And um, they said, Mike, if you could learn how to use AutoCAD sure. and draw these cabinet boxes for us, we'll give you this job as a draftsperson. <laughs> so I taught myself how to use AutoCAD with a book. And I realized that I love to draw. I love to draw and think three dimensionally, which led me to start studying architectural drafting, which led me to discovering architecture and design, which led sure. me. I went to architecture school in the Boston Architecture Center for two years. And then I, I uh, moved back to New York and I finished my five year bachelor's degree at the New York Institute of Technology. Unbelievable. But it was in architecture school is the first time I ever thrived academically because I realized in my formal, you know, K through 12, I had all these skills that had never been tapped into. Right. It had never been tapped into until I got to architecture school. And then it just took off like a rocket and I never, never looked back. Incredible. That's incredible. Like, so you took 
So how I, I want to talk about like age here because I had a very very similar experience. So like, what age were you when you actually like okay got the cabinet? You said twenty years old. I was 20, 21 years old when I first I saw drafting as I could I could I could make a living doing right. this, and it probably wasn't until I was twenty three, twenty four. I said, holy holy crap! No, I'm gonna God, holy let it go. shit! I'm gonna be <laughs> I could become an architect. Whoa, I could do. You this. are the young guy, and and I just got With your saucy mouth. <laughs> and so I uh, yeah it was it was probably like twenty four. That's interesting because we like that's when learning for me or the education piece that Walker yeah. talks about turned on for myself. Yeah. So I I wasn't ready to learn until then. Yeah, right. I, I I just wasn't going to be in a place mentally whether I was doing it to myself and bucking. Right. That I wasn't ready to learn until I was twenty two. Yeah. No, I think that it was very very similar to me. So was it more of this? I'm interested in this. How you like got invited to be like, hey, let's do this AutoCAD experience. Was it like that traditional yellow book AutoCAD for dummies. You dived into it and then said, okay, I can draw cabinets now. I like this thinking. Yeah, my mom helped me get the job. She, okay. worked, she kind of worked for an offshoot of that company and doing internet marketing or something like that. And um, she helped me um, She helped me get uh, kind of land that position. And I've always been good around computers. That was another thing. My mom's I, I computer programmer. And I'd, I had been on the internet since I was 12 years old. Yeah. You know, and That helps. Yeah, and I've always been really good with computers. And I was like, I don't know. I started messing around. And I was like, I could do this. This it is works. fun. Interesting. Yeah. So bot took you to Boston. Okay, yeah. So uh, Boston Architecture has got a great program. It's a work-study program. I wasn't quite, you know. I, I like that. My parents like that idea. didn't Huge. want me to go into some fancy architecture program. They never thought I would could do the work they didn't want to pay all this money and it was but a work study program that's super smart so i actually. worked 40 hours a week and i went to school at night and i hated it <laughs> i hated it i hated Just i the hated the work stuff but you, but you thrive you hated the work or the education the that's, work. I the loved work. going to school at night, but the work was really tough during the day. I was just, I was a part, I worked for a big firm. I was a part of the architecture machine. I was at the bottom of the totem pole and I, they worked me really hard and all I wanted to do was study architecture. And so I eventually, I did that for two years and I burned myself out mm. and I said, I just, I want to go to school full time. I can do this. And so I put myself through architecture Good school for you, man. and I spent $80,000 in student debt making yep. it happen. So and wow. it was worth it. It was one of the best decisions ever made. No, that's pretty impressive. I think from a uh, uh, discussion standpoint, I, the reason why I talk about age is because I think there's such a revitalization of when, like, I learned and I wanted to learn around the same time. And that's when I actually saw that the linear path of education that took me through reading and writing or through this, through books or something like do a study program and then you'll learn something and then you get quizzed on it. That path didn't work for me, but my mind thinks very three-dimensionally. So as I got introduced to construction, I got introduced to products. I came into this world through a similar experience with a like the construction world anyway, um, in uh, via general contractor and then via residential contractor. Where then I learned a lot about purchasing, a lot about the design aspect, and a lot about the the budget side side of it. But there was so much to learn in the product category for it, and I kind of migrated that direction for it. And now to be kind of like in this manufacturer world. And think in a product format, three-dimensionally, of how these transitions go to buildings and go into applications for facades and envelopes just really feeds yeah. feeds the beast, yeah. I think, inside my brain. And I don't think that it's a – it's such a similar path, man. Yeah. I just I, – I really appreciate it, actually. I can totally identify yeah. with it. So That's great. But, no, I mean no, – so now talk about a little bit of origin story beyond that. Yeah. And then how it took you to um, Portland, what you did there, and then – what, how you discovered kind of where you're at now, man. I'd love yeah. to hear that origin story a little bit. Yeah. So when I was in architecture school, I was living in Boston. 
Okay. I've always been a big cyclist riding bikes. Okay. I did a short bike ride from Boston to New York City. Just a little guy. Just a short one. Yep. And while I was researching <laughs> that bike ride, holy mackerel, I discovered there's these people cycling across America, coast to coast, and they're writing about it on the internet. And I obsessed about that for years really? and years. Oh, and when fine. I was in you're my fine. fourth year of architecture school, I, as soon as school was that I took me and my bike, took a bus down from New York down to Virginia Beach. And I did a bike ride from Virginia all the way out to coastal Oregon. Oh, my God. It was a it was a seven. It was like 80 days. Is that even legal? Oh, yeah. It was an 80 That's, days. I mean, that just seems like cruelty. What? No, it was amazing, no, that, that, man. That, but talk about seeing everything. Yeah. It was like a, from a vantage point that you just can't understand unless you've done something like that 80 days but to, but to be wow. immersed into it not just like oh i i've i drove through virginia once or i was in the wyoming sector for 18 minutes to be there in the most legitimate and almost intimate way yeah. wow it was amazing that's got to be a life changer it it was the first time i got outside my little new york city boston bubble i lived in my whole life and i met that amazing area. people <laughs> everywhere across the way it was uh, unbelievable i'd never seen the middle of america i'd never seen the rocky mountains or the pacific ocean and by the time it just changed my life seeing america really? on a bicycle and i was in my fourth year architecture school i wrapped up that trip i flew back to new york i started working on my thesis project and my Which best was i did a building in venice italy okay yeah and i my best friend came to me and he said hey man you want to ride cross country again, again after school's over so i said sure why not and so we did. A, I did a second ride from Bar Harbor, Maine, all the way out to Anacortes, Washington. No way. And then I rode from Up. all that came down to Seattle, and I rode down to Portland. And I stayed in Portland after that trip was over for ten years. Because you were so tired. Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't go anywhere else. You're like, oh, I'm just here. So Portland's that. This is the space yeah, I'm in now. Yeah, Portland was the vortex. Yeah. So you know, you 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 did a lower half, and then almost a, an upper. I did half. a middle half, and then I did yeah, yeah. the upper. And then it was 2016. I did the middle trail again. I re rode the trail I rode in 2005. So third, third, I've ridden third cross time. country three times. Yeah, yeah. I remember oh, you. I remember you talking that is about so it. Impressive. I think I saw some conversations back and forth on Instagram that you were saying, "Yeah, I've done it three times." I thought it was twice though, but now I yeah. now it reminds me. You say he's like making that. up the third one? No, <laughs> he, apparently he did. He did upper, lower, and middle. I yeah. get it, man. <laughs> no, so. but so the first one though, solo, right? Solo, all by myself. Completely solo. Yeah. Second time and third time, I'm assuming. Second time, with, uh, I with actually with two, my two best friends. Oh, solo. We we just pack our. We put all the gear on our bikes and we just ride. Yeah. There's no support. No, 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 no support. Wow. But but you're also not by yourself. Never. And that's so the that's thing. got to be a, a a different experience <laughs> even yeah. then. That's the thing. I've done a little bit of backpacking and hiking, and you're out in the woods by yourself. But on a bike trip all day long you're with people every time i stop at a gas station to fill up my water bottles i'm talking to this person or that person and right. then i'm seeing there's a lot of other cyclists that trail that i rode in 2005 and in 2016 is a is the most famous cross-country bike trail so okay. i would show up to go camp in a park somewhere and there'd be another site there'd be two or three other cyclists who are traveling the opposite direction mm. and we'd compare notes and chat and in some ways it's like a traveling party across the country and wow. with social media I was posted on social media in 2016 the whole time and I was meeting people who were following me and like I wow. crossed they'd be like oh my god Mike we were wait we were, we were waiting to see you and <laughs> no way that's cool. right so, dude I've always been fascinated by that and just the endurance aspect mentally physically all of it but I've 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 paid attention to the ones that go from the the Canada border to the Mexico border yeah, yeah. down the, the 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 whole trail there and that's that's grueling on its own in a different level maybe but that's that's like sissy stuff compared to what you're talking about. The di distance rad, wise. Just, and then I have to believe that when you're out in the middle of America, 
there are places where they typically don't see a cyclist as often, right? Yeah. So you, they, they had to have been just enamored, like, with, why is this guy here on a bike? Yeah. Well, there's a company. How are you at this truck stop right now? <laughs> Well, there's a company that sells bicycle maps that go all over the country. And so they put us on all these beautiful back roads, the best wow. roads to be on, all these rolling hills, just safe. Yeah, super wow. safe, good bike friendly roads. But then there's a lot of times where there was a like I ended up uh, I ended up going through Tennessee and I got off the bike trails and I just kind of made my own route. And as I go, but um, I feel like I've done so much cycling that I've. I've been really good at kind of hacking my way through and not like always it. being, you know, so safe with figuring out all the logistics and all that. I kind of just go. That's interesting, huge, man. Huge dynamic life changer. And then you ran into Portland. <clears throat> did you yeah. continue? Did you continue architecture in Portland? Yeah. So I got to Portland in, in, in the summer of 2007. Okay. Bad time to start an architecture career. N not ah! the best market yeah. to start in, in terms of just like financial parts that's and everything that was kind of that's, that's right. actually when we started in this market yeah. in, in this in this industry that's, really that's right about when we started to our, too. with our with our truth like mm -hmm. our, yeah. our big our big moments of, of getting into it tough so this one happened was i landed a job with a small firm who had just signed big contracts with the city of portland oregon okay. and the portland state university so they had projects nice. they landed two big big projects and they signed all the contracts right before the recession happened. And <laughs> oh, it was all man. public work and the money was set aside. So I was able to actually stay employed through the worst of the recession while no other architects in Portland were working. I stayed employed through the worst of it. And it was around 2010, 2011, the work started to dry up. And I was- Because the residual of the public work just kind of ended. Yeah, those, yeah. those projects yeah. we ran out and there was right. nothing else coming into the office. So I was starting to be underemployed. I was collecting unemployment. And then the city of Portland, Oregon reached out to me and said, hey, Mike, you've been working on this building with, with us for a year and a half, two years. We're get, we just got our bids back. We're getting ready to build it. We need help. We need help and we need someone that understands this project to help us get this project built. So uh, my company was like, go, go, go take this job. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so I ended up taking a job as a capital improvements project manager for the city of Portland, Oregon. And uh, wow, I ended up staying with the city for five years. And my That's role awesome. kind of shifted from rather than making money on architecture and construction. Sure. I was now spending money on architecture and construction. I was hiring architects, engineers, and contractors. And I was now the client. And I was now making the big decisions and seeing all of this work get built. And even though I wasn't playing the role of the architect, I almost felt more like an architect because sure. I was a decision maker and I didn't have to draw every single line. And more true control. Yes, it was a and lot that's of a fun. Huge, that's a huge piece that miss, is missing from a lot of, of opportunities. But what a great vantage point to see the industry from you know, just understanding what it is and then to, to be able to step away yet still be a hundred percent immersed in it. What a great learning opportunity just to, just to drink in all of that uh, side of the, of the, yeah. of the, of the building. I loved it. I, I really absorbed project management because that takes it. It's a unique soul to absorb that. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, like that's a, and it's something a, 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 not, a, not enough uh, focus is put in on Yeah, because the project management really is the reality of the job. And that's where it falls down so many times. So uh, kudos to you for, for understanding early that that was a, a vital piece of this. Yeah, whole that's industry. huge. Yeah. It's not just drawings and specs, too. For me, as the, as the client, as the owner, there was the drawings and specs were one side of things. But there was a lot of uh, there's a lot of buy in from the stakeholders. Yeah. I was the I was the project. The client was the city of Portland, Oregon. I ended up doing a lot of work for the Portland police. Oh, wow. And so we renovated every police station and we built them a new building. And it was uh, it's making sure that all these different parties were on board. And I spent a lot of time making sure that the end user understood the value of what we are delivering to them. 
when they see all these people coming in and doing all this work, they freak out. And so there was a lot of handholding with the clients and being the middleman between the architect and the Jeez. contractors with the end user and the clients and making sure that the communication was How did appropriate. It, I'm curious from like a, a kid that grew up in the Northeast to go into, <laughs> to go into Portland and now like deal with, deal with the people that have, I'm, I'm assuming a lot of the city employees and a lot of the, the, the policemen have, were born and raised there in Portland as well. And then that was that a different culture based upon how you communicated? I mean, from just being from the Northwest or Northeast to the Northwest, or was there any issues there? Yeah, I when I first moved to Portland, I had a really hard time socially. It's a different it's a different dynamic. People it is. are it is an inverse dynamic. I was it a is. very I'm very New York. And yeah. it took me a while <laughs> well. to to get up to speed with how dynamic social dynamics work on the in the Northwest. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But after being there for a while, I figured it out. Okay. And then I started to realize too, my very direct approach sometimes works sparingly when I need it to. Sparingly. And that's and I think that helped me as a project manager is when I need to be direct and just say what no one else will say. It it helped me. Have, yeah. Having the ability to that's use awesome. that but also sheathe it when you need is, yeah. is massively important. Sheathe it most of the time. Well, <laughs> and you have to, you have to be like, <laughs> make a move, right? Yeah. Like, you have uh, to give it a little it's wildly show. important because you're right. The Pacific Northwest in contrast to almost everywhere that I've been uh, is wildly passive aggressive, wildly timid mm -hmm. and very much like uh, they want to skirt around everything versus Michael. That was dumb. That was a dumb idea, yeah, yeah. and I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't do that again, right? <laughs> right. Like I've been in, in in meetings with you know super East Coast architects who've who've said that to me, and and in the moment you're like, okay, because and, and then it's done, it's over, right? It's all through. Other architects in the Pacific Northwest, not so much. Yeah. Well, you, we've, you, we've you get the skirt around kind of, you know, ah, I just don't. Let me let me. I'll I'll think about it. And I'll send you an email. No, and it's, and for us, uh, like cool. We <laughs> were last week. I think we were in an architect's appointment, and we were going through a historical retrofit on about three different projects that were three different buildings that were all supposed to come together in one development. And uh, the architect, head architect, so he's a principal of the firm. Oh, yeah. He yeah, yeah. he leans over to us. He's like, so Edify Studios. So 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 what do you guys do, or how how can you guys help us um, get where we need to? Like, tell us about it. And so Walker speaks up immediately. I go, Look, we 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 typically walk into architects offices and, and pee on their hopes and dreams <laughs> and, and tell them what don't what, what won't work. And and sometimes they enjoy it. And oftentimes they maybe do or maybe don't. We don't ever know, right. actually. Uh, but we just try to get cut to the chase of that's not constructible yeah. or it yeah. is constructible, but that's going to be all your money. Yeah. Here's another way. So for us, it's, it's walking in and just saying, hey, here's all the bad stuff to Absolutely. a certain degree, right? Like maybe you know all of it, but that's what I'm going to point to first. Cool. And then you can go and pick the sacred cow from this and uh, it's got to have that. But that's what that's, uh, you know, a lot of times what we do. And some architects know exactly how to take that. And some don't want to yeah. live in that world at all. Yeah. 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 No. So working for the city, getting into that, doing the capital improvements project manager, but coming from this perspective of architecture and construction is pretty unique. So then how was it kind of tailing off on that and then getting into young architect? Is, I'm assuming that's the transition point. Yeah. So what happened with. What happened for me, it kind of started through the licensing. Okay. Was, well, I worked in architecture offices, a variety of architecture offices, as I was a student. And I probably graduated with about three or four years experience. And I moved to Portland and I got a job with the firm. And I'll be honest with you, three, four years experience, like I knew a lot, but it, there was a, so much more I didn't know. Okay. And I started, I wanted to go to graduate school so bad. I wanted to just study architecture forever. 
And I had so much student debt and it was one of my professors said to me, he said, hey man, you honestly, you don't need any more architecture education. He's like, you, you've gotten enough design education. Why don't you get your license and learn how to make money with architecture rather than just keep paying these institutions? And I said- It's pretty smart. It's wildly a valuable advice that often isn't isn't yeah. allocated to by people. A, by a professor. It's yeah, really, by someone yeah. I really re trusted and respected. And I said, that's okay. So I started studying for the architect exam and I kind of treated it like my poor man's graduate school. And through studying <laughs> sure. for the architect exam, I really started to learn about how the business of architecture works and all the different roles. And I had always been in love with design, 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 design. It's always about the design. I'm the designer. I'm the, I'm going to be a star architect. And it was through starting <laughs> to study for the architect exam and like really this. learning the practice of architecture sure. and the craft of it. I some way shifted my focus. The design stuff was cool, but I started to fall in love with the practice and the craft and the art of executing buildings and getting things done. Right. And I really embraced the architect exam. So I got halfway through my exams when I was at the firm, the recession hit, I was unemployed. I had to take a year and a half off in the middle. I got back to this, I started working at the city and I started to wrap up my exams. And by the time I was done with my exams, I was burned out. I was burned out. I was working full time. There was a lot going on. And I was in some ways really in some frustrated and a little bit disgusted with the profession of architecture, because when I started this process many years prior, I, I was told I was led to believe architect exams easy. What's the big deal? Everyone's just passing these exams in six months. You just show up and take the test. And what's the big deal? And I just there was it wasn't that at all. Right. I really? spent it took me it took me four and a half years. I spent th it, I took a year and a half off in the middle. I spent three years of actively studying. I probably spent more than 2000 hours studying to pass oh. the architect exam. I failed four tests along the way. By the time I had my piece of paper and I could say I am now a licensed architect. Right. I was the only person I knew that actually completed the process. I met hundreds of no people kidding. along the way who said, I'm gonna become a licensed architect. And they didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know how to study. They had unrealistic expectations. And I just watched them crash and burn. And then they got really upset that they didn't pass a test and they never came so, back to it ever again. Wow, wow. So what's the point in actually going to architect school? Architecture well, school. No, I, I, I'm making, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's I'm a, giving an obvious question, a, but in, I kind of want- yeah. But more importantly, what's the point? Uh, why, why get a license then? There's, there's really good exactly answers go. to both yeah, yeah. of that. So the purpose of architecture school is really to, to, teach, to teach future architects how to be creative, how to be problem solvers, how to think outside the box, how to create, a, um, you know, um, yeah. how to express ourselves. It's to learn the history, the theory, the fundamentals, the basic education of architecture. That's, that's phase one. Sure. Phase one. After you graduate architecture school, the design and the history and theory, we got to let that go. We need to learn how to practice in the next phase of licensing okay. and practicing. It's about how to follow what's the process, what's the systems, how do we, how that's do we follow the, the rules? Portion? Yeah. How okay. do we, how do we deal with clients and budgets and schedules and put documents together and build, you know, pull permits. And we need to learn the fundamentals and the history and the art and the poetry of what architecture school is before we start getting into making buildings. <laughs> is that to motivate, motivate the understanding well, I mean, of what architecture really is? I mean, we got to yeah. graduate. It's like we got to graduate high school before we go to college sure, or, sure, you know, okay. and get, get it. you know, all those other things. It's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's a starting point. Yeah. But um, I mean, right now there's this huge movement where like people are saying, we gotta, we gotta be using architecture school to be training, practicing licensed architects. And I say, no, we gotta learn the fundamentals and basics of what the poetry of architecture and like what design is and how do we express ourselves before we start making, you know, specifications and pulling permits and, yeah. you know, dealing with budgets and all that. It's, um, 
Wow. It's a long process. It is a long process. <laughs> well, and I don't, so I, that, don't I don't mean to, I don't mean to kind of like be in jest about it, but it's I think it's it's really under it's really important to kind of understand the two different modes of it cuz I like I love architecture. Like I think it is I think I think the buildings that we build actually shape the cultures that we live in, right? Yeah. And as a result, they actually just the the lasting generations that then completely just shape generation after generation because of these beautiful structures we get to do with. So the poetry is obviously there. But the reality of actually like going to school, getting the degrees and then actually applying that degree to a license is what I've noticed from what you're saying is is completely separate. Yes, it is. You know, then academia is not the place to learn how to practice architecture. It's the place to learn what architecture is. And it's after we graduate, we got the we got the basic education done. Right. The next phase of the architect is to now go get a job at an office and start learning how to wow. put buildings That's together fascinating. and it how to study. Yeah, how to That's study fascinating because I don't, I, I don't, I cut you off and I don't apologize okay. for it. I don't. <laughs> uh, I think that a lot of people get caught in the fact that you're, you're saying it backwards in my, in my small mind. Uh, I think everybody thinks that the schooling is where you should go, but I, th I think you're a hundred percent right. Uh, I think that they should learn all of the basic elements of what it is, the fundamental, this is why, this is who, this is the, the whole general process. Even outside of that, there are, I believe, too many variables, even within the word architect. Yeah. There are too many directions that you, you go uh, to go. Let's all just try to, to to crap out all of those pieces into chewable bites that you can consume yeah. so that you get 20 percent of one percent of your job later on. Right. Like to me, focus on 100 percent of the core basic and then let them go into the world once they've settled into this firm or that firm, because they're not all created equal architecture firms. They're varying sizes, scape, uh, scales, scopes, uh, interior, exterior, landscape. Like the term architect is like saying engineer these days, it yeah, yeah. feels like. Uh, so that's where that's where they get the education, right? The real education of understanding how to put the pieces together is within how the firm, applied. is on the job. Yeah, it's a, there's the academic classroom education, which is architecture school, and then on-the-job experience. And the way our system is set up, I mean, you have to have the, the degree, you have to work under a licensed architect for 3,740 hours, and then you have to pass these seven exam, six exams. But, but, it, he, but he, yeah. said on, he said on that is, is that he's the, after he got done with it, four years, four and a half years? Oh, I was in college for seven and a half years. I got a five-year degree. Yeah, three colleges. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I got good grades the whole time. But the but the, <laughs> the application part of, of like of doing the testing and, and actually getting into that like license, you were the only one that went through that? Do you that you knew of a lot like, of people go back classmates, to classmates, classmates, people in other offices, okay. wow, people I knew. Unbelievable. Every so, I watched hundreds of people tell me they were gonna become a licensed architect, have no idea have unrealistic expectations and very few people, no one. I was the only person I knew that actually got to that finish line. So what year was that when you got to the finish line and then realized it, it was the beginning of 2014. And okay. after okay. I was done and as I started to see the light at the end of the tunnel of my pat wrapping up my exams, I said, I need something creative to work on. There's okay. nothing creative about studying for the architect exam. It's all about following rules, not taking risks and being safe. And so I'm a highly creative person and I like to put stuff out there. So I said, I'm going to start a blog for the next generation of architects and start talking about this process of becoming a licensed architect from a human point of view because 
I was, if this architect exam process was so easy and everyone's just, you know, what's the big deal, then where are the people not so far ahead of me and how come That's they're exactly not sharing ask. realistic where, information? Like where, where, are, where are those mentors? Where yeah. are those anchors that are actually reaching out and then pulling you to I've that had, destination? I had no mentors in my career until like, as until I was licensed and I pretty That's, much navigated it and figured it out my, myself. So and this so, is fascinating. This is the direction. This is what I wanted to actually get into and, and ask because if you actually realize that all of a sudden you're the only one in the room that actually has these licenses. And then there was hundreds of people that you knew throughout your academic career that wanted to get inside, but couldn't. No one was getting there. Yeah, there was just no one was getting inside the door. No one knew even to walk through or how to walk through. So this brought this is what kind of brought you to the blog. This is what yeah, brought so you to that. I had blogged my bike, my bike trips. Sure. I'd read everyone else's blogs. And so I had a little bit of blogging experience. So I said, I'm going to start. And I started following. Um, Mark LePage and NX Sears and all the other guy, Bob Borson, I was following them and I said, I want to, I love what they do, but I want to take my spin on it and write for the next generation of architects. And so I started the youngarchitect.com and I just started talking about my, how I studied for my exams, the books I used, my attitude, my mindset, what worked, what didn't work. And I didn't realize it for a long time. Um, but I was really kind of the first person to come along to say, Hey, I'm not the smartest man in the world, but I'm definitely not the dumbest. <laughs> and if and if you want to become a licensed architect, you can definitely accomplish that goal. But you have to be persistent. You have to be persistent, persistent, persistent. And it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's at least 2000 hours of work. Wow. And no one was saying that. And everyone was like talking about these exams like it was no big deal. And here I am. I'm the one that got there. And I started sharing that story and it just resonated with a lot of people who right. had similar experiences and youngarchitect.com just took off like a rocket. Wow. And the site ended up uh, getting really big. I ended at one point I wrote a book. I said I could write a book. So I put out a little black book called How to Pass the Architect Exam. And what started to happen was people would read that book and they started to come to me and say, Mike, I need your help. I need a coach. I need a tutor. I need a mentor. I need someone to guide me through this process. Can I hire you? And I said, no, you can't. <laughs> Because the problem awesome. with the architect yeah. exam is everything about the architect's education, how we go through, we're always in a group of people, we're working right. on the same project, there's a schedule and the deadlines. In the office, it's a collaboration. We're, sure. not, we're yeah. not isolated, we're not an island, we're not practicing in a vacuum. There's the island of one, my man, yeah, island, island of one. one. Yeah, and so until we get the, to the architect exam, which is a self-guided process with no deadlines, and I said, I don't wanna work with people one-on-one, -on -one. and as more and more people kept asking, I said, you know what? Let's treat the architect exam like a design studio. The same way we went through design studio and architecture school, I'll create, I'll tell you guys what to go do. Sure. But let's come back together once a week and see what we can learn from each other. Interesting. And, and so I created this program in 2015 called the Airy Bootcamp that helps people get started with their exams. I say, I'm going to hold your hand and show you how I study for the architect exam. And it's not, it's not like a college class. I'm not the professor. I don't, I don't get up there and do all the work. Right. I said, you're going to do all the work, but I'll show you and I'll navigate you through this process. And so I launched this program back in September of 2015 and um, it's just blown up. So how to just describe a little bit of that model for young architect. I would like to kind of hear that because that's very interesting to me that you're saying, okay, no, I'm not going to be your mentor. No, I'm not going to be your coach. No, you can't hire. No, you can't hire me. But here's the model I want to do that that enables your reach to be broader rather than that one-on-one -on -one yeah. coaching experience. And it, it it just gets back to our roots. Okay, okay. learning collaboratively and working together as a group. That's how we've that's how we've always been. That's how I we went through architecture school. That's how we work in offices. This is so interesting, like, because it just gets severed. Yeah, I mean the reality is is you go through this communal 
yeah. course, this, 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 we're all in this right. com- in community of, of, of getting this done. Right. And then that umbilical to everything, you know, is severed completely. Now you're on an island. And it's like, good luck. And you got to pass all these tests. Right. Jeez. And there's a shark. Yeah. <laughs> called it I like a, that. Called, yeah. the, called the owner. You better do. Well, it's just a shark of yourself. Even yeah, sometimes it's, it's like, yeah. I know he's here. I know he's here. All right. You just hear it. That's that's wildly impressive. So then you start you start creating these boot camps. So I started the blog. I wrote the book. I create the boot camp. Boot camp takes off. Uh, we ended up start. We now we're creating study materials to help people pass these exams. We sell those online. So ebook type of stuff or uh, videos. Or we have videos? video packages. We okay. sell it at a, a one time fee at a very low affordable rate. There's um. There's been yeah, a tell us tell us what it's about. Like that's I would I'd love to hear it. I mean there's it, been a lot of controversy because. I don't know. A lot of some of the prep providers charge outrageous fees. They see this as an opportunity to price gouge all these unlicensed sure. architects. And so I've just I've gotten so frustrated watching this happen to I've my community. You, I, I've watched you got frustrated, to tell you the truth. I've watched them on Instagram just absolutely be like, this is True. a fucking joke. Yeah. And and and, and, and like literally yeah. just. And so out of frustration, <laughs> and then I look at what they're char. I see what they're, what they're putting out and what they're charging. And I say, are you kidding me? I could do such a better job. So I just started doing a better job. Good for you, and man. And creating a better product, twice right. the content, twice the value at a quarter of the price of what they're charging. And the goal has been to just help as many people as I can. I have a, so we got that. We have a Facebook group for the architect exam that okay. has uh, 6,500 people in it. And they're just going, it goes nonstop all day long. It's become a super powerful community for a lot of people. I'm traveling. I've just now I'm doing a lot of public speaking. I'm traveling around America, talking in different chapters. So is that what fueled you? Like obviously, you set up the model, and then all of a sudden you realized, like, okay, going back to the cycling nomad yeah. days, like well, I gotta, yeah. I gotta, I gotta do this now in a, like a different format to like actually now go to chapter by chapter by chapter. Right? Is that what's been? Yeah, happening? it was about 2014, 2015. I started to realize that this could actually be something. And I was a little, I was really kind of overwhelmed by all the success that was happening around Young Architects. And I ended up hiring an amazing business coach to help me make sense of it all. Yeah, I I listened to the podcast on that one. That was a great podcast. Yeah, I hired this amazing business coach to help me figure out how can I take my little passion project and turn it into a business. Cool. And we worked together and it was around September of 2015. I walked away from my comfortable government job with excellent health benefits to pursue young architect <laughs> full-time sounds familiar we jumped into the same dark water yeah <laughs> just because you had to we did the same similar scary. strategy of uh you know what look, look we're, we're i'm so sick of talking about it and complaining about it we just have to go do it yeah that's yeah. what we did and it's the same path for you and then the same thing of like good steady jobs making fair money with uh, a safety net and a and a security blanket like a whoopee keeping you warm yeah, yeah. at night and then you're just like nope <laughs> jump in the dark water no it is hope it works yeah. <laughs> hope it works but it worked no it worked because yeah. you you made it work yeah right you put the work in you did the time you did the effort and you knew that the strategy was already good so you knew that my question now yeah, yeah. in a big philosophical let's look at this as a big circle does any of this happen if you don't take that ride no not at all cuz what i've been listening to on this couch which is the the trust tree <laughs> is I've, I hear this this individual who who had a, a pivotal shift in their in their in their everything when you took that first ride. For me, everything is is just I, I see it piecing back to that first ride of seeing everything from a different viewpoint of understanding that to get to from here to there isn't one methodology. It's it's let me look at it from a different standpoint, but also just the I want to take it and I want to put it out to the world to us to a certain degree. 
to me, it all stems back to that first ride of just doing something that nobody else yeah. really was doing and continuing to do it. That's Absolutely. State, stating the obvious, you know, is, is one of you know, our, our biggest things. And I know that you are consistently just being absolute. Just this is what it is. OK, it's not what it, everybody's saying that this is what it isn't like. But you just have a way of just bringing it out to a, a thing like that. It's just like there's just no BS about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, and when you act, I don't know, I've, I've seen that if you guys have followed you on social media and it's been super interesting to actually listen to and hear. But I do agree with Walker how it is that integration point of like, here's where it happened, mm-hmm. because now you're kind of now you're traveling the country with your dog. Yeah. In a sprinter van. So really, tell uh, us about this. Uh, Before you could jump into that, we just been you're actually just like a vagabond, basically, right? Because that's at this point. That first ride, you just learned that you loved being in the world, just doing it. Well, I spent ten years in the city of Portland, Oregon, (laughs) becoming a licensed architect. You know, hustling, building a resume, and all this other stuff, and. It was a, yeah, it was kind of like when I was getting ready, I was like, I used to cycle across America. I used to do all these things, but I haven't done, I haven't traveled in 10 years. I haven't been anywhere because right. so I get calls from like, construction sites constantly. Yeah. So uh, it was, I needed to cut the cord and focus sure. on this thing full time. And so, yeah, I've kind of gotten back to my roots now That's with awesome. Young Architect. But scalability is interesting from an entrepreneur standpoint. So you're, you're taking this and you're actually using the same thing, same methodology, but you've been able to scale it in a way traveling and actually have these very intimate sessions with the AIA chapters. Talk about that a little bit. I'm really interested. I'm glad you brought up the word scaling because it's something I think about constantly because right. there's a lot of stuff I do that can scale and there's a lot of stuff I do I purposely do not scale. Okay. And I think it brings more value. So, I mean, I write all the blog content that scales, that goes out. We're doing more and more YouTube stuff, podcasts, sure. social media, that scales and everything. The I, I've got two presentations I give. I give a presentation about the architect exam okay. and I give a presentation about entrepreneurship and architecture. And People ask me all the time, they say, Mike, I wish you would like put this on the internet so I could watch it. And I say, no, I won't do that because I have a powerful message to share. And when I can look people in the eyes and give them this presentation, it connects and it hits and it lands 10 times harder than if we just watched it on our laptops. No reason to devalue it. Yeah. So I, so there's a lot of stuff I won't do. I won't let any, I won't. Yeah. So I won't, I won't do a lot of webinars and stuff. I already do the bootcamp online. Bootcamp's one-on-one, uh, me coach. There's a lot of coaching. There's a lot of one-on-one attention from me when people sign up for bootcamp. So I can only do X amount of people at a time. Right. And so there's a wait list to get on that program. And I could, I could bring in other people and other coaches to do it, but it would get away from, I think it would, yeah. it would dilute it some more. It, so. Those people aren't you. Yeah. And that's what people are signing up for is they want to work right. with me and they want to go through the process. And all so that. unless there's somebody that comes into your organization with a similar backstory that can as passionately and as honestly yeah. portray that message, I don't know. And I have, I have sense. alumni from my program who understand how all this stuff work and we think very similar and they help me with things sure. along okay. the way. Like on Sunday, they got a cover for me cause I'm going to be on an airplane. But, um, <laughs> Yeah. So there's, you know, from, but you know, my goal with all of this is I want to, my mission is to help the next generation architects become the most successful generation architects. And my goal is not to, you know, push everyone into this boot camp. I want to help as many people as I can. So sure. I got, I got a free Facebook group. I got a, I got a book I wrote. I got all these cheap study materials. I got the boot camp program. I got the free, the lectures. So there's, there's accessible other- material that you're, you're bringing to that next generation that maybe necessarily can't afford it right now. Or maybe just don't want to take the jump into a boot camp or be on the wait list. But 
doing a so test and, and try and wet their palate a little bit. And right? boot camp's not for everyone either. Okay. Sure. And if it's not for you, I still want to help you get there. And awesome. my goal is to help everyone just move this thing in the right direction. And that's and that's kind of been my business model is to set up many, many different touch points okay. at all different price points to just hit such a larger group along the way. Interesting. That's wildly powerful. How, how I really, truly, I believe that is wildly powerful. How has the architectural community in general responded to it? Amazing. Really? So Fantastic. I've, been, I've been doing these tours last. It was I don't like cold weather. I hate it. See, my, so you're staying in the warm spots and then you'll migrate when it's can't that's why it. you rode away from the cold ones and then i went i showed up <laughs> i left portland i was in new york first i was in new york and i ended up staying there longer my best friend got a puppy and i <laughs> i i became a big part of that process with helping this puppy get up to speed i love dogs and i ended that's up awesome. spending the winter in portland but i was miserable the whole time and i said no more and so last summer i went to i went last summer i went and i bought a mercedes sprinter van i said i'm gonna build this oh no way I'm going to build this out. Yeah. We're going to go to Florida. Me and my dog. We're going to go to Florida. I don't know what I don't know what we're going to do when we get there, but we're going to go to wait, Florida. When was this again? When was this again? Over what? the summertime. Over the summertime. Yeah. It was like okay. I bought it in it hasn't even been a year yet. Oh wow. So I bought this Mercedes Sprinter van. The first thing I did was I got it home and I cut a giant hole in the roof and I installed a, a, an exhaust vent so there's fresh air circulating through and I've just I insulated it. I put a bed in. We got a leather couch. I got Yeah, so Walker, I've been watching him build this van on and his Instagram stories. For the past nine months, like it, it's been impressive. Like he was it's, like, "Oh, we got insulation in, yeah. we got the LED lights in," and he's kind of stringing it up and stringing it around. And like, this is my voyeur world that I get to watch in you. Well, I have yeah. a, I have a similar. Uh, I, I love it. There's man. a work associate great. that I had for a long time. Um, his name is Colin, and he just was a young kid who had a, a great lady in his life, and they had worked very hard and saved a lot of money. And they said, "You know what?" this working all day, every day isn't for us. That's not what we yeah. do, right? So they bought a Sprinter van and they totally refurbished the inside and they've they've been on the road now for, I'm going to say two years at least, just living life in the most beautiful places. And they've, they follow it all on Instagram. It's at uh, uh, Van Daniel. Oh, cool. Van Daniel. Instead of... Interesting. Instead of Damn Daniel. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> it's Van Dam-esque. But uh, yeah, uh, it's... it's it's got to be very freeing eventually. It's fun. It's, it's a never, you know, I need, what I need as another thing I needed in my life was I needed a reason to cut up two by fours and to go to <laughs> Home Depot and to like buy some power tools and to yeah. like feel like I'm building stuff. I was a big model builder in architecture school okay. and, and oh, yeah. I miss that. And so the van's given me that to like figure out how all these things go together. And it's like a never ending tinkering thing. It's all see. DIY. It's yeah. all DIY. Yeah. Oh, it totally is. And I oh. and after all the time, I wouldn't even yeah, after the time the money, more of the time, I probably could have just bought some RV. <laughs> but it wouldn't have given me something to do, you know? No, it no I don't think so at all. It fulfilled a lot. Yeah. That's incredible. And so I've been driving this van around America. So we did I did actually last year I had a I had a different I had a minivan that I drove from New York down to Miami, over to New Orleans, up to Indianapolis and back to New York. And I did about 30 lectures in all the cities talking at all the different AIA chapters. And after that trip was over, I said, I need a bigger van and we're gonna go down to Florida. And so I, I built the van and it was November of 2018, we came down to Florida. My mom's got a house down there. So I parked it in my mom's driveway. I still slept in the van every night. And um, <laughs> I started sure. going to the beach every day with my dog. And then I just did a, a big lap around the United States. So we started in Florida. We went out to um, 
Alabama, Atlanta, Nashville, did a loop around Texas all the way out to New Mexico, came back through Oklahoma, St. Louis. So uh, much exposure again. Just keep every city. So jeez, man, I did like 35 lectures over the course of six weeks. And how many people is that that you've averaged on on like 30 to 60? I probably had. Yeah, I probably had. I don't know when. I can't do the math right now. <laughs> no, I'm just curious. At like between five and two thousand. Yeah, yeah. the smallest was probably like four or five people, but then nice. I had lectures where they're like fifty, sixty. How's the health of the AIA across the country? Amazing. Is yeah. it unbelievable? It's it's beautiful. It's what I see happening across America is all these AIA chapters are are concerned and they're very passionate and they're saying, Mike, we want this profession to succeed. We're aligned with your mission. What can we do? How can we help? Wow, that's and they cool. bring me in. And I give my I give my presentation, and a big part of what I talk about with the architect exam is not to just look at this as as if, as if it's some test or if it's some hurdle. And I say, let's focus on using these exams as an opportunity for personal and professional development to become more successful architects, rather than just trying to pass a silly exam. We need this knowledge. We need this information to help us in the next chapter of, of our careers as licensed architects. So let's learn it and let's learn yeah. it at its core yeah. and let's get good wow. at it. And, you know, if this is what we need to pass the architect exam, we're going to set our sights up here because we're going to be focusing on having successful careers. And that's the message I've been kind of carrying around. It's, America. Such a, it's such a different perspective rather than the academic or license world in getting through and like, oh, just getting through the license perf- to, in order to be licensed. Right. Sure. You're, you're actually using the platform of becoming licensing, becoming licensed is actually like trajectories in a completely different spot rather than just basically a plus b equals c yeah and that's kind of my story too is i learned through this education of becoming going passing all of these exams it changed my career and it helped me it helped me land that job at the city of portland and it helped me kind of put all the pieces together and by the time i was done with my license i started using it that was one of the things we didn't talk about (laughs) was i started moonlighting because the city was paying me to be a project manager if i wanted to be a licensed architect on nights and weekends and work on some house projects no, no conflict of interest. White Outstanding. Whatsoever. Well done, Portland. So, yeah. yeah I, think so that, I, started, I think that's a phenomenal, because a lot of people get locked up into that. Yeah. That's great. If I was with a firm, if I was working for a firm and I start working on all these little residential remodels, it, it creates a big conflict. But sure because does. I was in a different situation, I teamed up with this builder and we did all these design build residential projects. And, awesome. And wow. He would find these clients. I'd come and do the design, permitting, and then we'd start building. And it was just, a super streamlined. We worked wow. as a team. Unbelievable. That's, that's so rare, man. That's huge. pretty rad. So, I mean, so Edify Studios, we, uh, so our, uh, our shtick, I guess, is to edify is to uh, teach someone in a way that proves both mind and character. So that's the definition of it. And we go back into this focusing on architectural concepts and now we're, and we're actually realizing them into solutions. So as we dive into kind of the next segment of it, this, the, your, your origin story has so much, it's, just, I don't know, we're going to get into a different segment of, some of those architectural concepts. So as we look into the two things we wanted to talk about today was specifications, and I'll let Walker wrap on that a little bit, and then some of the cultural um, understanding of what we're seeing from a generational gap inside architecture yeah. and construction. Yeah, jump but, into the jump into the, the, to the gap first. Okay, yeah, absolutely. That's So as you have seen through the different chapters in AIA, and one of, one of my big things is, is I think, because I was... I came into this architectural construction world in that same time frame as 2007, 8, 9, and got into a place where I just stuck around. And there was an enormous amount of people that left to go get re-educated and go into another segment of business or just say, like, well, there is no way I can survive in this construction mm-hmm. world just because the mortgage faucet shut <laughs> off. 
you know, and and absolutely there was no water coming back into these fields, allowing it to basically flourish. So in in our world, we look at it as is like I ended up actually just staying around because that's what it was. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing. That's what we've talked about. But what it's but I think what it's caused is there's (laughs) maybe right (laughs) there from 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 my perspective um, on the. on the market, on the on the manufacturer rep side, then also even the subcontractor world, I'm looking at about two and a half generations that are currently missing out of oh, this, yeah. Oh, yeah. out of this market or out of this, this segment, this industry. They're not there. And and everybody's asking about like, well, what's going to happen with uh, um, the market? Is it going to plateau, or are we going to see this this massive shift again? A reset? Are we in a bubble? Yada yada yada. I want to actually go back into a little bit more of a subculture of just calling it out as I see it. Michael, there is a in about six to seven years when the attrition happens within this market and you see the 100 percent of the gray hair, blue hair people that are walking around, even this show, this expo that we're going in now. Those people will not be here. Yeah. Will not. So the demand of where or the value that we're starting with is this generation in like the the the, the 20s, 30s and 40s, like that generation is is just like scraping by like who is actually here like there's three of us in this right now even are they out there right and i think there's more of a concern of like is there none of a reset of like is the market going to correct itself are we going to see this keep appreciating over and over again but where are the people in some ways that's a little hard for me to hear because i feel like i surround myself with all of these amazingly brilliant people who are of the next generation who are working towards taking over and who are going to be the next generation of practicing architects. There's a huge, and I, and I have somewhat of a jaded view. They, that's my community. Those are my people. But I think there's a lot of, there's, it's going to happen. There's a, things are changing. Things are different. And you know, and that was one of the things that when I went through is I really questioned, I said, you know, how come there's not mentorship? How come no one's talking about these exams from a, from a, from a, a realistic point of view, right. and how come this, how come the architecture community is not trying to help create more licensed architects? One of the th- the big shifts <laughs> yeah. I see, one of the big shifts I see happening with the next generation of architects, and is rather than everyone being so isolated and focusing focusing on themselves and themselves getting ahead, right? I see the next generation of architects actually mentoring each other horizontally, and not always looking up from you know, uh, always not always looking up. From, from the older generation to, to help figure out how to get these things done. Not and from so a hierarchical I, stamp, standpoint. Yeah. And so I see okay. a lot of people collectively working together, um, really focusing on having better careers and stuff. And so, yeah, I think, I think generationally changed, things are going to be awkward for a little while, but I'm not, I don't think that there, we're going to be at a shortage of architects at all. At all. And I, and I need to applaud NCARB as well. They've made a lot of changes. When I failed an exam, I had to wait six months before I could retake it. Oh, my God. Six months. I would work so hard to study for one of these tests. I wouldn't pass. And now I got to wait six months before I could retake it again. So it was wow. like, what am Is I that because do? they had some some backlog where they yeah, had too many they people did, they booked? Didn't have, they didn't have enough tests. So they can okay. only. Yeah. Okay. So they got rid of that. They turned it into 60 days. And they made a lot of uh, changes to the licensing process that were to very enable positive. It to go quicker. Interesting. Yeah. And they didn't That's make huge. it easier. But they just they removed a couple of barriers that were blocking a lot of people. And um, it's interesting. And the reason why I ask about that is is because, I mean, we tour not only architects and see a lot of the general contractors and and um, developer network. But we since we're hooked up with a lot of the manufacturers that fulfill a lot of the products 
and the engineered solutions for the very specific things as we get into this industry. We're, we see an enormous amount of enormous gap even in that side of the community of this well this whole industry of what actually brings those things to life is, is that those people aren't actually around and I and it's interesting to have your view on it because I see something similar inside like the manufacturing and engineering and and blue car blue collar work world is is that rather than seeing this hierarchical view of like corporation business happening but actually see maybe this horizontal view just that well just goes back to the same like his first ride changed his life dude that's, that's I mean, just say the the yeah. view of it i'm <laughs> serious that the perspective and the way you actually you express it is just a, such a different thing I, that's the first time i've actually heard that as far as how it, the people are going to be supporting them supporting this industry moving on because those those mentors aren't there you know what i mean they aren't bringing that next generation up it's that horizontal actually yeah. bringing it up together it's that goes back to the yeah. what immediately comes to mind is is the 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 raising tide raises all boats or the rising tide rising tide yeah. um, raises all boats all boats go up anyway yeah. I, I screwed that one up pretty way but <laughs> anyway but uh no but i think that's a it's a it's a huge deal as it goes goes forward i think we're we're in a uh, we're in a different different world as we come back into that that segment of it that's the reason why i wanted to ask you about it but Let's toss it over to you, Walker. You know, I'm actually, I thought about it while you were talking because I was bored with what you're saying. Um, <laughs> but I thought about it. I'm going to hold my, I'm going to hold my question because you have to come back at some point. We have to, we have to sit down and do this I again and go deeper into the world because yeah, yeah, this was an incredible experience uh, that, that I want to, I want to, I literally want to de- dig deeper into. And I think that there's more to offer out there. So I, I, I'm going to table it. No, I agree. I'm going 100% table it. Mike, this has been wonderful. I, I think is. Wait, wait. Can we do an edit right here, real quick? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I wanted to talk about, no, with you guys. Stop. Too. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things I've been promoting at this AIA conference pretty hard, talk, and I've been working on this really hard for the past couple of months. Is I'm having my own young architect conference. I feel like with all the community and all the things I've been working on, I've had such a really supportive, good, amazing group of people just come around me who are aligned with what I want to do um, with helping the next generation of architects succeed. Cool. And for years, I came up with this idea years ago and I said, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we had a young architect conference that was like geared, really focused on the next generation of architects. And it was actually after the last AIA conference in New York. I was at the conference, I said, we're doing it. We're going to have a young architect conference focus on the next generation of architects. I, I've, I've attended dozens of architecture <laughs> conferences. Sure. As have we, yes. Yeah, and it always feels like it's more about collecting your HSW continuing education units. Yeah. I love you guys, but I feel like it's, sometimes it's more about the products sure. and the, the windows. I love wait, wait. I love Panda windows, by the way. They're well, the best you but, can get. But you're not wrong. It's way too heavily influenced and, it's, it's, and, and, and overrun. And I've I've even said in some ways it's more like a product rep conference disguised as an architecture conference. That's very true. That's very fair. And so I was like, wouldn't it be cool if we could had a if we had an architecture conference for the next generation? That was fun. That was fun that people wanted to attend. And so this summer we're going to do it in August. We're having a young architect conference in really Portland, Oregon. It's happening for three days. No way. And we're going to have in the morning we're going to have keynote speakers from successful young people in the profession. Okay. In the afternoon we're going to have 
workshops all focused around the professional development of the next generation architects. We're going to be studying for their exams. We're going to be talking about life app, you know, getting licensed. We'll be talking about practice. We're doing tours around the city wow. of Portland. Incredible. At night, we're going to have parties. And uh, that's what I like. That's really, awesome. Really, that's the awesome. goal is to bring the community together. Any. And, any highlights of projects you guys are going to do from like a touring standpoint or anything like that in Portland? Yeah, there's a lot of construction going on. So we're going to be so much. visiting the firms. we got a okay. historian that's going to be telling the history of Portland. Um, yeah. And well, Portland is such an intimate setting, too. I think from like that, that's the reason why I ask if you're actually going to be like going rather than just being a static conference. I'm curious if you're going to be just reaching out and actually going to those firms and going to. Yeah, we're going to be visiting. Stuff. We're going to be embracing the whole city. And um, really, that's awesome. For, and so this so is going to be a conference for students. For emerging professionals, for recently licensed, and to really kind of come together and let's ha let's have a great conference about focusing on you know helping this profession succeed. That's pretty impre impressive, man. That's way different. So is it is it is it there basically for the young condo? What's tell us a little bit about how to get there, how to have the people access it, yeah. where they can actually register. So all the all details kind of are at conference.youngarchitect.com conference.youngarchitect.com. We've got a scholarship as well for people who are like, I can't afford a conference ticket. If the ticket price is a, is a barrier, just visit youngarchitect.com slash scholarship. That'll give you the scholarship. I have a, I've had a lot of product uh, people and firms come to me and say, Mike, how do we sponsor your conference? Sure. And I've come up with a, I've kind of a, a different idea on how that would work. As I say, I created a whole program. It's called the, the corporate champions or the firm champions. And I said, you know what? buy some tickets to the conference and help me get more people, get more seats and chairs. And so they can it's sponsor. So and they, can, they can really, really honestly sponsor. And that's how we're doing to attend. it. Yeah. You know, so, that's, so let's, that's huge. Yeah. That's so smart, man. Keep some bias out of it. Keep some, some Rather concept just of bias throwing out of money it. at me and then just blindly putting a banner back up yeah, just and then, because they want to do it. And then, yeah. and we got this whole program set up. So the more tickets you buy, the more, the more, promotion we'll do at the, well, the, the, so the, smart. the products. But so it's, it's actually fueling attendance. Which I that's like. That's the goal. And, and, and I, because I think that's actually what conferences should be, to tell you the truth, rather than saying, let's, let's, uh, let's have sponsors just to get the, uh, the price down so we can actually <laughs> book, book the space we <laughs> so need. So we can book the space we need. I think, I mean, that's, that's, I don't know, it's just obvious again, Mike. It's super obvious. That's, yeah. that's great. That's pretty awesome, man. Yeah. So for the court, for the, the sponsors, it's youngarchitect.com slash corporate. For the firms, it's youngarchitect.com slash firms. And, um, all awesome. the conference details are at conference.youngarchitect.com. And so I'm just been, I'm just trying to get the word out about this is the first time we're doing it. We're going to keep having, the goal is to have this be an annual event that people are excited to attend. Absolutely. So this is the first one. So it's been, I've been hustling really hard, just trying to get the word out. Well, we want to hustle for happens. you, man. Yeah, we'll, you guys, we'll do everything we yeah. can to, uh, to bring awareness because that is wildly important to us. That is wildly important. Um, I can't thank you enough for coming. We're going to get a little bit of juice out of you still. Yeah. Um, we're going to jump into the Edify top two. Yeah, let's do it. We're going to wind this mug down <laughs> and uh, just to hit us, hit us with the two things that are, that are, that are you're really into right now. I really like Instagram stories. Okay. All day long it goes. Yeah. And, and the reason I like it, it doesn't stick around forever. Yeah. Just a 24 hour <laughs> lifespan. And so in some ways I've, I've kind of fallen into this trap of micro blogging my entire day right. of what's happening. And some, I hate to say it, sometimes I post like 20 or 30 stories in a day, but... No. Wow, I don't know anybody like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At all. So I love it. I know. I totally agree with you. And from a business, social media point of view, it's a terrible idea because I've been so, spent so much time 
working on this social media post that's only around for 24 hours when it could be growing my brand and, yeah. and building a thing. But I don't know. I think I it's all about attention. The, uh, the, the, yeah. the, the cost is wildly affordable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's fun. I'm having fun with it. So it's exactly yeah. right. I don't have to be so serious. It's exactly right. What? Uh, give us give us one more. YouTube premium. YouTube oh, premium. Tell I us. just just got into it. Game changer. Just got into it. Game like really? This game week. changer. So this is the first time I'm hearing about it. So tell me about it. What? I've been on YouTube premium. I think from the very beginning. And okay, so it it turns. So first off, it turns off the commercials. No more commercials. YouTube commercials. It works amazing on your phone. Suddenly, okay. YouTube doesn't need to buffer all the time. And it really. Just, it's yeah. like they it's like they governored everybody else's content stream. Yeah. And now they, it's you're it's, a priority. They, they've opened up the you're throttle a, for you. You're a priority on the YouTube. So so watching videos is no longer a hassle. And you can and a lot what I do a lot of times is I start it's like an hour. It's like I don't know. I would I would watch like Joe Rogan. I turn on click start the video. I turn my phone off, stick it in my pocket, and I could still listen where you can't do that when you don't have the premium. Yeah. And it's only what 15 bucks a month. Whatever it is, it's worth yeah. it's worth the the I don't have to see 20 to 30 seconds of Geico every yeah. eight minutes or whatever. I'll just, pay you not to see just, advertising. Just from the value <laughs> of yeah. it. Like, I get it. That's how they make money. I'll pay you so that we can get rid of that. So That's pretty impressive, it's, though. It's, Interesting. It's very, it's even got a slightly different look, yeah. I've noticed. It's a little darker. It's, it's just a little more pronounced. I, I, that's a good call. And so that's been, that's allowed me to connect with a lot of content creators in a lot of different realms is i I don't watch TV. I don't watch movies, but I spend a lot of time on YouTube. Sure. Looking at things. YouTube is wildly, wildly undervalued by so many people. Like even when you tell somebody who's like, uh, we're thinking about putting an educational series on YouTube. They're like, that's cute. Yeah. And I'm like, where do you learn 90% of what you do? Well, I had to fix my washer the other day. And I'd I'd actually was like, ah, how do I change this filter? YouTube. Yeah. Thanks to uh, six you know, guys who've <laughs> taken the time to yeah. record them doing it. I never knew where my. We talked to somebody was. the other day. It was like, oh, that's, that's, that's that's not that's nonsense. Well, how do you learn your stuff? What do you mean? Have you had to do anything lately? Like change the battery in your lawnmower? He goes, actually, I did just change the blade on my lawnmower. How'd you How'd figure you it out? Oh, YouTube. Yeah, I just googled it <laughs> and YouTube it. Wild, interesting. Cool, man. So, what about you? Edify top two for you, my man. My Edify top what two. Uh, it's been just a wild um, couple of weeks, but I, I want to say that people not screaming about Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, just because like it, it's a great show, everything that it's good. over. Well, just that people were angry or people were. It, it became this thing at the end where everybody was just like opinioned, and I'm just like, I don't, I don't know. Is it? Uh, to me, it was it was a great show that ended how it should have ended, and but it just just to not see it flooded everywhere, I'm kind of okay with. Good for you. Like everybody's been mad, <laughs> so so mad about it. Are they gonna have a spinoff show? Arya. I think he tried to he tried to predict it. He actually I did. Said, I said I said it would have been Arya and the Hound, but the Hound died. But that's fine. Um, oh, spoiler alert! <laughs> I'll cut that. I'll bleep that out. I'll put some bleeps in that editing. Um, also, they all die eventually. Eventually. <laughs> um, and then I guess my second thing would be that um, we had a neighbor who was moving, and she didn't want to move this uh, thing that she's had for her kids. And it's this pretty heavy duty uh, electric motorcycle. Okay. Oh. And I have two, two boys and a long hundred yard driveway of just gravel. And so she's like, Hey, do you want this? And I'm like, Oh, are oh. you kidding me? <laughs> so I went and picked it up and it was, it was super beefy. And I, I mean, I wrote it. So awesome. You can take a look and 
but just to see the kids, I have a, I have a nine year old and a 12 year old boy and just to see them zoom and have that freedom that mm -hmm. they've never, I mean, a bike is one thing, but this is like mm. just to see that freedom on their faces is Pretty just, awesome. it's been overwhelming. So su super good, super good on that. Those are my, those are my two. Cool. So NFI top two for me, you know, I, I'll stay kind of in the family mode. So I, my, uh, my 13, almost 14 year old boy is actually getting into guitar lessons. So, and, um, and his, so his guitar teacher is trying to teach him the riffs and stuff like that. Just kind of getting him into it beyond chords. And he's starting to like get into some, like, so what he's calling old school music, right? This is crazy. Which right? I have to believe is what? Like red, hot, red, hot, red hot chili peppers. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so he's, so his, his, uh, his YouTube playlist and his, uh, Amazon music playlists are changing now. So now it's like. Under he's the like bridge downtown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he's starting to he's starting to listen to the same stuff that I that I that I listen to, and then but it's also getting me back into guitar. So I I learned guitar when I was about that same age, and now we're like going to guitar stores. We're actually like looking into it. So like so understanding what what a Les Paul is and telling about what this with Gibson is, and like all the different brands and 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 his and going through it, and it's just been actually pretty fun to to get in. So top two is like reintroducing myself cool. through music. Through my boy, That's great. Super, super awesome. And then um, I got to dive back into coffee. Ugh. Okay, I know you're bored about this shit. So at the end of the day, so I roast coffee on the weekends. Um, I kind of got into the whole um, uh, bulletproof coffee thing yeah. and did all that stuff. But then I realized through it, I just I would rather actually roast my own and have it super fresh. And just barely switched my roasting technique up, um, based upon the origin of the bean. So. As a result, you actually have highland and lowland coffee, depending on where it's where it's grown. And um, I've been kind of messing inside the Ethiopian ones, the high elevation, mm. and then going into the and kind of been going between Ethiopian beans and Guatemala beans. But this this Ethiopian bean that I did, I switched my method up by reducing a lot of the the temperature um, and then extending the mm. roast back out, and it brought so much more flavor mm. back into it. I'll have to send you something. Yeah, Check are you, you a coffee drinker? Yeah. Yes. Oh. Hey, I see, used to brew beer, which I think is kind of like it's a, it's oh, very yeah. super nerd. It's super it, super nerdy. It's, yeah, it's so much more than people give it credit for. Oh yeah, like listening to him drone on and on. <laughs> <laughs> but it, at the same time, it's wildly cool to see somebody understand the benefits. Yeah. Oh, yeah. of taking that bean and doing it to its fullest. When you you, you can't just take hops and boil them in water yeah. and add some barley and malt and hope it works, right? Yeah, like there is a very specific. How long? Which hop? How am I trying to get the citrus out of this? How am I trying? Right? Like, yeah. And what I like too is it's giving them something to do, oh, and to figure oh, out. Dude. And like, oh, just. so just like your DIY <laughs> in the van yeah, world, yeah. like of like like you can actually zero in on how this is going to work, and you can build the put the wood decking in yeah. or whatever. For me, like to go into that and be like, okay, I got to study yeah. up on the origin of the bean. Where was it from? What is the farm? Is it actually how does it work? And then okay, okay, great. Thirty five hundred feet. I understand what it's going to be from a temperature standpoint. So I have to hold it at that temperature for at least seven and a half minutes in order to bring it back down again. It's like it's stuff like that that I'm just kind of going great. back into. It allows me to kind of have that therapeutic moment, <laughs> in, you know. So anyway, it's been it's been super great. So awesome. anyway, Mike, thank you so much for joining us on the Studios podcast. This has been this has time. been very very fun for us. Um, uh, our inaugural. Yeah. Interview. First guest. First Steal, guest. First guest. Stealing all your time. Yeah. Thank just. you. <laughs> Appreciate you going through all of the, uh, the just the whole, the whole story journey. for us. The whole know. journey. What a, so, what, a, what a wild journey. And just to see that you've taken it to a, a standpoint of being able to position yourself 
to help so many people who don't have any idea of how to get it done because there isn't something set to do it. So, you know, just to, to not only be doing it for yourself, but to, but to be adding so much value yeah. to something that you really are, are passionate about already. So, deal. well, huge. Um, give us, um, Young Architect, all your stuff, how to get a hold of this one more time, and we and then we'll just kind of tie it off from there, my man. How visit, to- visit youngarchitect.com. Okay. Youngarchitect.com. Find me on LinkedIn, Michael Rasica, R I S C I C A. Instagram, Young Architects, PDX. And it's, Perfect. it's all there. It's pretty yeah. simple. Conference.youngarchitect.com. Everything, everything points back to Young Architect. We'll push some more information on that as well. Awesome. Yeah. Well, hey, thank you. Appreciate it for working it out today. Um, join us on the Edify Studios podcast next time. We're going to bring you some more podcast uh, interviews here shortly here at yeah. AIA 2019. Thank you guys so much for joining us. And we're out. Peace. Thank you. Adios, amigo. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Edify Studios podcast with hosts Brad Glauser and Brad Walker. To learn more about Edify Studios, visit www.edify-studios.com. That's www.edify-studios.com.